And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Okay, another weekend of Cowboys free agency has come and gone. We got some movement to talk about. We'll talk about it here in the About Them Cowboys podcast. Welcome in. I'm Kent, producing and welcoming in three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. He's recovering from the NHL trade deadline. It's Saad Youssef back in the saddle. We've got Father John Mishota, your Cowboys beat writer, and of course, in the hosting chair from the Ben and Skin Show, slash sports and such, it's Kevin KT Turner. Hey, KT, are you recovered from the Devontae Adams situation yet? I was with you in person when it went down. You had to leave the room for 30, 40 minutes, and you came back as a different man. But are you okay now? Yeah, no, I'm okay now. I just I think I was so confused by yeah. what in the world was going on. I just felt like for that team, it was a go all in situation. And then, uh, but I think I think now that I had time to process it, it sounds like Devonte was like, dude, living in Green Bay sucks. I got a house in Vegas. My buddy uh, Derek Carr, we played college with. I've always wanted to be a group of Raiders fan. Kind of actually makes sense, but you had a little time to process it. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting what the uh, that Green Bay team does do with two picks in the 20s. Are they going to try to draft wide receivers, which they haven't done since 2002 in the first round, and Javon Walker? I don't know. Now, meanwhile, over in Cowboys land, which is where I hang out most of the time anyways, man, I, I think we should talk about – there's a lot of things we can talk about. I don't, I'm not sure that one story supersedes any other story, but – you know, we talked a lot last week, our thoughts about what happened with the Randy Gregory situation. And then it's like, how will the Cowboys go about figuring out the defensive end situation? Then Von Miller signs at six at 120, which feels more like three at 48. When you look at the numbers, as he signs a deal with Buffalo, well, the Cowboys definitely weren't going to dance in that pool. Then we find out yesterday is that Darius Smith goes, uh, goes ahead and signs a deal with the Vikings. Three at forty-seven. So you know, given or give or take how healthy he was, you know, it might have been a seems a little expensive for the Cowboys' taste, at least right there. But they ended up getting Dante Fowler, you know, as a kind of a placeholder guy to step in and get some rotational snaps. John, your kind of overall evaluation of how the ha- Cowboys have handled everything post Gregory signing with the Broncos? Pretty much par for the course, kind of what you expected. Um... Fowler fills that spot of Gregory leaving. I don't think anyone thinks Fowler is as good of a player as Gregory, but that's the type of deals you knew this team was going to do. It was going to be these one-year type deals, and maybe Dante Fowler gives you six, eight, maybe ten sacks or something, and it's just great, and it was worth it on a one-year deal. I don't, I don't think they should be done it at the end. You know, I mean, right now on paper you have you know Dorrance Armstrong and, and Terrell Basham and Chauncey Golston to go with your starters if the season started today, which would be Fowler at right end and and Lawrence at left. But I think they still need to add a piece there, whether it be early in the draft or another free agent. 
Uh, obviously, a lot of the top names are gone. I think Jay Devian and Clowney is probably the top edge rusher left. He's been playing on one-year deals. So that's what I thought they'd go after. As much as agents or whoever put out names like Bobby Wagner or Von Miller and talk about interest and things like that, when you see some of the deals that some of these other guys have received, you just know those aren't Cowboys deals. Like you just mentioned with the Von Miller thing. You look at that real quick. Yeah, no, the Cowboys weren't going to do that for Von Miller. You know, I mean, they're looking for one-year bargain deals. And so, um, yeah, it's not going to be much that's going to fire up the fan base, but you at least see their plan of where they're going. So now you look at, if you were to do a projected, like, starting lineup for the Cowboys right now, you can just see where, like, a couple of the holes are that they have that can be addressed in the draft, and they don't have to force anything. And when I say that, the three that I look at are, as I just mentioned, pass rusher. Uh, the other one would be on the offensive line, preferably on the interior. And then the other would be another wide receiver. I mean, you add you add James Washington, but that's not, that's not oh, we filled Amari Cooper's spot. That's to, hey, we got a guy here that kind of fills where Cedric Wilson was. We can still go and draft a receiver. We don't have to do it in the first round. So no major surprises. I think Dante Fowler is, is a solid signing because of his connection with Dan Quinn, going back to the University of Florida, going back to... You know, he obviously Dan Quinn wanted him badly in 2020. That's why the Falcons signed him, even though Dan Quinn was only there for five more games before he was let go. So on the surface, you see the deal. All of it makes sense. But I completely understand where the Cowboys fan base is coming from, where they are sitting there like, this is all we're going to do. But yeah, this is what the Cowboys are going to do. Yeah, I think financially it also it's it's something where, you know, that they've obviously made it their philosophy that they are going to build the talent through the draft. And I think when you look at a signing like Fowler, though, when you have a guy who was obviously a top five overall pick, it means that there was always some potential there. So, I mean, you know, whatever that they can bring out of him, I think uh, I think Randy, like if you look at the raw talent coming out of college, obviously Fowler had Fowler had that. So I think uh, I think whatever they whatever their philosophy is, that they are sticking to it. But also it's encouraging, like John said, that uh that Dan Quinn is kind of still being allowed to, I guess, call the shots. And obviously that worked last season um, or last off season. So it's good to see that, you know, obviously that's still a little bit in play here. Remember, uh, I remember Fowler at the combine. You might've been there that year, KT, but uh, he went to the university of Florida, right? Yep. He did. I think that was twenty. Yeah. 2017. I think. Well, he, he's being interviewed. No, he was 2015. He's in the same exact oh, draft class. He's in the same exact draft class as Randy. Yeah, he oh, just yeah. he just missed he just missed a year because he tore his ACL like right yeah. like right. in rookie camp yep. or something. Yep. So he's at the uh, combine on, on the podium, and he's from the University of Florida. And the Bucks have a really high pick. I think they picked Jameis Winston this draft, and they're asking him. So, uh, how would you feel if uh, the Bucks selected you with their uh, first pick? And he's like, you know, the Bucks are. The Bucks are the Bucks, <laughs> and, and 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 like the whole crowd started laughing, like you know, basically saying, "I don't want to go to the Bucks." And then he ends up getting drafted by Jacksonville. <laughs> Every time I think of him, I think of the Bucks or the Bucks. And then the Bucks ended up winning a Super Bowl a couple years later. So uh, it's just a very funny, a bright personality, Dante Fowler. I think we'll enjoy him in the locker room and uh, him on the podium and things like that. One other thing to note real quick. I mean, if you go by overthecap.com, the Cowboys still are among the top 10 teams in salary cap space to be used. I mean, they're at right now 22.9 million. And so there's certainly, 
there's certainly salary cap room there for them to sign other players. So like we had mentioned on a previous podcast, maybe that's trading for somebody. Maybe that's, I don't know, but there certainly is, there's room there to add other players. They're not completely strapped right now to where it's like, well, it's just a draft and this is it. No, there's, there's some space there. You know, they had planned to bring back Gregory when Gregory was not brought back that opened up some money. Now, were they able to now go get Brian Anger, resign the punter Anger? That was part of it, sure. But that's only three million dollars a year. That was a guy they didn't expect to have back, you know, things like that. And they've added some pieces with Dorrance Armstrong and you know bringing back J. Ron Curse. But there's still money to be spent there. They still have room to add other talent. Uh, I would. I would. I'm glad you brought up Brian Anger. Okay, Brian Anger, a hell of a year. Okay, incredible year. I would just like to say I'm firmly in the camp of that you never pay a punter. <laughs> um, Three years at nine million. Now I don't know about the guarantees on that, right? Uh, did he get all of them guaranteed? I've just I've seen there's a, such a history of punters just having one hell of a year where they're averaging forty six yards a punt and then they come back and they're not what they were. And I just don't believe you do anything. A kicker's a little different. I don't think with punter that you. I think you just go year to year with punter. If you want to resign a guy, they're not hard to resign. If you want to do two years, even it's a little different to go three years at nine million to me. It was a little frustrating when it's like, man, you could just give another million dollar to Randy Gregory or something. Just one million more. Whatever. You know, whatever that would have taken. Who knows? Another refreshing more thing. Um, does uh speaking of the Bucks, does Jason Pierre Paul do anything for you guys? And if so, you know, what number do you think we're talking about? Yeah, he does something for me on a one year deal that's uh, you know, similar to whatever they gave Fowler. You know what I'm saying? Like not we're not breaking the bank for a guy like that. That's how I would feel if I was in the front office. But uh, I certainly think that they should be looking into potentially adding another veteran like that because, yeah, Jason Pierre-Paul is not the guy that's going to be your every down right defensive end anymore. That's obvious. But he can be a rotational player. And so you rotate him in and out with Dorrance and uh, Dante Fowler and and whatnot. And who knows that then maybe he comes up in, in like a big moment or something and makes a big player. But yeah, I absolutely would kick the tires on any of those type of situations, but I will, I don't think I'm committing more than one year. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's uh, pass rusher is also a position where, you know, you, uh, that's, that's one of those positions that I do think you can pursue in free agency. I think there's a, uh, it takes just a, I guess like a certain amount of talent or skill. Like it's not so much of a, it, I feel like they can adjust more to the scheme than like other positions obviously can. So I think if you have a talented pass rusher, you should you should just go get them. And I think Pierre Paul kind of fits that. Um, I I don't know. I feel like even if it's more than a one year deal, I, I think he's kind of worth it, um, especially given the money that they do have available. And I don't think you know you already got your quarterback signed. You already have you don't have big big deals coming down the pipeline. So. I, I think I think it's still worth it to try that or even, you know, a small trade for for maybe like a Robert Quinn or something like, you know, that those kind of things are should still be on the table. In his first three years with Tampa, he had 12 and a half sacks, eight and a half sacks, then nine and a half sacks. But he had two and a half last year, but he missed five games. He missed two games towards the beginning of the season and then he missed games at the end of the regular season as well. So he kind of had two little periods where he got hurt. And in a big chunk of play. So, you know, he's not, he's probably, you know, pushing, uh, he'll be 33. You know, he's probably not the guy who you're going to be counting on to go give you 17 full games and, you know, uh, 50 plus snaps a game. He's not that guy, but man, there's, that's a useful player on the market. I, I think it would be foolish to not, uh, 
jump in and see what's going on right there because yeah. it does seem yep. like this team was was planning on keeping Randy Gregory. It seems like that was their blueprint. Yeah, I think I think that right at the top of it, now that the, we've seen cards being played, are were keeping Schultz, keeping Gallup, keeping Gregory. I think that those are their top three moves, and I thought I think they felt very confident they those were all going to be able to get done, and really by all intents and purposes, it looked like they did. But uh, the Randy Gregory thing obviously changed, and so now you have to adjust uh, your game plan. The other thing that factors in with the with the Pierre Paul thing with me is that they're picking at twenty four, David Ajabu from Michigan. You know, Torres Achilles in in Michigan's pro day. That's one of those top six edge rushers that you were hoping could, if not be there at 24, push another edge rusher down there. If you're picking in the top 12, top 15, you still feel pretty good. You can get a pretty good edge rusher somewhere. Picking back at 24, now you're at a spot where it's like, I doubt they're going to reach for the next tier of edge rusher. They might wait till the second round if a guy doesn't follow them. Maybe that's where they address the offensive line or wide receiver. So let's say the second round pick is where they address edge rusher like, yeah, that could be a good player in two years. But like to expect that player to come in right away, like really any of these edge rushers outside of maybe, you know, Thibodeau and, and Hutchinson, like there's going to be a growth period there where you're not going to be able to just throw them to the wolves anyway, let alone somebody you could get back at 24. So you need all the help you can get on that right edge now that you know you're not having Randy Gregory. So Torrance Armstrong is fine. Like, you know, Dante Fowler right now will be fine but I think you still need to add another piece over there to make sure that you have enough bodies because here's the other thing. The age is getting up there for uh, a guy like, um, well, if you sign Jason Pierre-Paul, obviously, but like even with Demarcus Lawrence, you know, that's the thing too. Like when they're looking at this draft, it's also like looking at the future of that position. It's the same thing with the offensive line. Like not only are you trying to fill fill the interior of the offensive line, but you also got to consider the fact that Tyron Smith has not played his best ball recently, and he's not getting any younger, and he's not getting any less injuries. So there's a lot of different pieces that have to be played here. But edge rusher is certainly in one of those top two or three most important positions. And so if you're not going to get a good one early in the draft because maybe they just aren't there, bringing in a guy like Jason Pierre-Paul makes a lot of sense. I want to thank you for mentioning the offensive line because that's where I'm going next. Lyle Collins, obviously uh, cut, signs with the Bengals, three years, $30 million. I get the, get the Tank Lawrence contract, uh, just not all guaranteed. But, man, I, I can't help but just think about the struggles of the offense. Okay, the, the reason that this team got beat in the playoffs is because their offense failed them. And they are now a worse team offensively than they were last year. You have cap room to spend. I get it. They'd made the decision. They were going to keep Mari Cooper. Okay, I'm over that. Whatever, right? I don't understand their plan when it comes to the offensive line now. And that's very frustrating because, to me, that was a very clear problem all pretty much all year last year. So... You know, Terrence Steele is great until you put him in there and you go, okay, he's now our starting right tackle all the time, and then Tyron gets hurt. Right. What are we doing? Like, Terrence Steele's great until you're, oh, well, who's his backup now? And you start playing that game, and I just, for whatever reason, if they were just, hey, we're done with Lyle, and I know there were some, uh, a couple things that were very strange with the league. Uh, the drug test story was was very odd type of thing. But if they just we we can't handle him, we can't have him around anymore. All right, we gotta we gotta cut bait. Well, you better damn sure have a plan, and that plan needs to be more than we'll get someone at twenty four. 
That plan needs to be a little more clear to me than we're going to get someone at 24. I think so. Oh, but you guys, plan, I'm, a little, I'm, a little, I'm a little frustrated and pissed about how they've handled their offensive line. So. Yeah, but I think uh, if we're going by evidence, then I think their plan is draft someone at 24. <laughs> draft the best offensive lineman we can at 20. That's how we rebuild this thing is draft quality players in the draft and develop them. I mean, that's how they built it before. I feel like that's how they're going to try to do it again. Otherwise, I feel like they would have uh, signed somebody at this point in free agency so far unless um, – and so, you know, for this year, I feel like the plan is the draft. Yeah, I think they're, I think we're watching them get the offensive line kind of be back where it was in, let's say, 10 and 11, where Jason Garrett was like, that was his thing when he took over as head coach. Like, we're rebuilding the offensive line. And I think that's where it's at right now. They're going to go younger. They're going to draft someone, if not 24, in the second round. They're going to build it that way. As we mentioned in previous episodes, Mike McCarthy and Green Bay, they had a lot of success finding guys outside of the first round that ended up being very good starters, guys that went on to make Pro Bowls. I just think that they're not going to address it all with just, they might not even address it with the first round pick, but they're going to use the draft to fill some of those spots and, and, and get this offensive line younger. I think that that's their goal and it's been their goal all along. And so uh, I, I just, and, and I don't hate it because unless you're one piece away on the, on the offensive line, I don't like, plugging money into the offensive line by grabbing free like the Armstead deal that the Dolphins just signed Taron Armstead from the Saints to like go get it guys you can have that like if 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 that's your team making that you're kind of nervous you know who makes that deal the Dolphins the Jaguars you know the teams that are always in those you know we have the most salary cap space so we got to spend it somewhere but it's just like no I'm good on doing all that would you be willing to trade something for Laramie Tunsil I mean, yeah, how much? Low, if it's like a low round know. pick or like something, a, maybe. Uh, maybe like next year's two, something like that. Probably not. No. Okay. I don't yeah. think I would do that based on age. Okay. Uh, yeah, just throw that it, out it, there. Let me let me look at his contract though, because that's very important. We talk about this type of thing here. I also think that the Cowboys, the Cowboys right now with their offensive line, it. it 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 gives a little bit of vibes where they were with their receiver group the year that they traded for Amari, where they're just kind of like, you know, letting it play out, see how it goes. And I, I don't think, remember that that's the year they tried to go like no number one wide receiver, just wide receiver by committee. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're, they're being that, that neglectful with the offensive line, but it feels like they're just kind of like, let's, let's see, let's let it work its way out. And then if we need to make a move, then we'll go make a move. Um, whether that's, you know, it maybe not, it's probably not going to be like trading for a player. Um, but I, I do think that that's kind of the approach that they've taken. Whereas it was kind of the opposite, obviously in the Garrett era where it was, uh, the, the offensive line was at a premium. You'd have to rework his contract around his uh, cap number for Houston this year is 18 million and it's uh Ooh. 35 million next year. Um, now they'll restructure that and all that stuff, but they just signed to a three-year deal. You know, he's not. He's 29. Yeah, I don't think I'd give a premium pick for a 20. I just thought that I'm sorry, Houston would be trying to get out of that at some point uh, here. Pretty yeah, soon. no, they, they should be trying to get out of that at some point. If they're not going to try to, you know, take the quarterback position seriously. No offense, Davis Mills. Exactly. No offense. What are we going to do? Weird? Is it weird to anyone else that like a guy just set out last year and then gets traded and that's all? Like no punishment? Like he just set out. Well, I think the and punishment. Got paid. Oh, there's still punishment, gonna be a punishment. Punishment will get. Yeah. Well, if I was Houston, I would have played him until he got punished. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean he just got punished with that. Well, when you know he's punished by Cleveland, though. what good does it do if you know you're going to trade him? I mean, 
don't you want to see what Davis Mills has? I mean, I would. I but, guess you want to keep him healthy, but man, oh, right. it'd be so frustrating to have a team that's not taking it all seriously. I mean, we gripe about the Cowboys not taking it seriously sometimes. Man, Houston Texans Houston aren't always taking has, it seriously. They got the problems. They got problems down there of their own. We don't need to get in. What are the Cowboys going to do at left guard? Yeah, that's probably what they're going to end up draft. They're going to draft a player at some point, maybe as early as 24, that has the ability to probably play some guard, probably, you know, versatile player that maybe has the ability to play tackle if they need to. But yeah, I would, I would expect an interior offensive lineman to go, if not 24 mm-hmm. in the second round. I mean, that just, that, that's the thing though. Like that, it's, it's not like there's just one hole that needs to be filled on the offensive line. If that was the case, then I could see them maybe targeting somebody in free agency, but there's not. And it's one of those things where you can tell they're trying to get younger on the offensive line. And the only way you do that is in the draft. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Would you guys be mad if they drafted a center? I mean, I wouldn't be mad. It just would show your cards on really what you think of Tyler Biotish. Move Biotish to guard, something like that? No, I don't think uh, they would be moving Biotish I'm tired to guard. Of, I'm, tired of, the, I'm tired of the 
the snaps. I'm tired of the inconsistency. We're probably going Biotish and McGovern open competition for center. Here's here's my issue with all of that. What's going to happen like, there? I, I hear everybody talking about Linderbaum, but like, no. Don't, to, don't to have a good to have a good center, you got to use a first round pick. That seems ridiculous. Like I'm not yeah. doing that. You know, like that that you know, if, if I'm using a 24th overall pick, I'm taking someone that can play guard and and be a really good outstanding guard or someone that can play guard and tackle and has some position flex. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I understand like a lot of people like love Linderbaum and that's great, but like they're just the, the value on, on the center. I just don't see doing that at 24 being worth it. Oh, let me, let yeah. me jump in real quick. Go ahead side. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say Travis Frederick was number 31 though. Yeah. yeah I mean, no. yeah. Yeah, I miss out on all those championship banners they hung with them. <laughs> but, but, but hold on, here's the thing. That Just because they built important. the offensive line that way doesn't mean it was the right way either. That's all I'm going to say. Right. Investing all those ones in the offensive line, you know, I missed all the parades, I guess, that happened. I missed all the NFC championship games. I mean, that's one way to build it. But there's other teams that have had parades that don't build it like that any, any close to that. So, I mean, I get the, like, left tackle. I get, like, maybe a Zach Martin, but... I don't think you even need to have three ones on your offensive line that you drafted. Like, I think, you know, you fill a couple holes there. The other guys, you got to find guys in your offensive line that start, that are good starters for you in the third round and in the fourth round. Sorry, that's just how it's got to be. The couple of 30-man visits from the draft have been reported uh, from Texas A&M's Pro Day yesterday. Uh, I saw Bobby Belt tweeted out first. Uh, one was uh, defense tackled Marvin Leal from, uh, from A&M, but also the other Beast. one's Kenyon Green. Kenyon Green plays guard and tackle. He's played everywhere on the offensive line. And I think he makes so much sense just watching him play. He feels like it feels like that's a good spot for him. You know, right there in the 20s. So, you know, that that's a guy, that's a that's a guy who I really would like them to hone in on. And I was always nervous that they wouldn't do something like that after McCarthy made his fantasy football comments a couple of years ago. But I have to remember that is you know, quite a bit in the past now. He may be open to the idea of, look, if this guy's got to play some guard, he's got to play some tackle, that's okay. You know, I think some of the best teams in the league, think about those Patriots teams all those years too. They had guys who would move around on the offensive line if you needed to in a pinch. But I think some of the best teams in the league find a way to get guys who understand what they're doing at guard and at tackle and kind of play everywhere because, quite frankly, we know guys get hurt there. We know our left tackle is going to get hurt there. You know, it's just going to happen. He's going to miss games. So Kenyon Green is a guy I would like them kind of honing in on Rather than someone else, like out of Trevor Pinning's a name that's been thrown around a little bit. This is more of a just a tackle. You know, I mean, Kenyon Green makes a lot of sense for this team. You can plug him in at left guard. That's where he starts. And if you get in a bind, you can swing him out to tackle and throw McGovern in at left guard or whatever. That's the big frustrating thing is that premium pick. about the offensive line, Josh Ball, they need something out of Josh Ball this year. Oh, you know, yeah, I like fourth that. Fourth-round pick on an offensive tackle. You know, I know that there was off-the-field things, and that's probably why he slipped to the fourth round. Uh, but you need something out of him. You, you used a fourth-round pick on him. He has to be your swing tackle. He has to be something next year. It, he had a redshirt year. That's all That's all fine and great. But, like, that, that guy has to have a role on this team now. I agree 100%. No, that's a good point. He's kind of a name you kind of forget about sometimes. Now – uh, staying on offense, James Washington, um, they bring in um, James Washington, obviously playing in a crowded wide receiver pool in Pittsburgh with, you know, Juju got hurt, obviously, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Fairmouth's getting a lot of catches over there. And you also had a quarterback who couldn't throw it more than three yards. So it's not like James Washington was going to have great numbers in Pittsburgh. 
Um, just kind of protecting themselves there after losing Cedric Wilson. Well, what, what do you think the James Washington moves about? Because I'm not really sure. He's still fairly young, but I'm not really sure what that he offers you a ton. You probably feel good that this is a guy who was a second-round pick. You had interest in him. Uh, this is the Gallup draft, so he was taken in the second round. You took Gallup in the third. Uh, Blitnikoff winner out of Oklahoma State, put up big numbers, and I can see them viewing it as, well, he just didn't work out for him in Pittsburgh, even though Pittsburgh is probably the Factory. best at drafting, yeah, at drafting wide receivers outside of the first round. So um, the fact that he didn't work there, that – it is what it is, but I think that they just want to kick the tires on somebody new uh, that they probably, you know, was rather highly regarded uh, in their in their in their building because they did they did meet with them before the draft. And yeah, so, they liked um, him a lot. Remember, yeah, Senior so, Bowl came to came to the star, everything. Yeah, yeah. So that all makes sense. And if it doesn't work out, you didn't invest very much. So I look at that when that move was made is that's replacing the loss of Cedric Wilson. That's not replacing the loss of Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper whoever they get that's going to be the, the replacement there will be drafted. And it, I'm not saying it has to be at 24, but it might be in the second round. It might be in the third round, but there will be another wide receiver drafted somewhere that has some upside because you, I mean, just look at what they have right now. If they started the season, like as of what they have right now, you know, there's no guarantee Michael Gallup's even going to be ready week one. You think they're going in a week one with CD lamb, James Washington, and Noah Brown. I mean, there's still that. There's plenty that still needs to be added to this team at wide receiver uh, in the draft. The good thing is, though, that you don't necessarily have to use a first round wide re- pick on a wide receiver to get a good one. Yeah, and I think James Washington. You know, I think he. I think he played most, or at least half of his snaps, uh, somewhere around half of his snaps in the slot last year. And so I think when you when you look at just you know his positioning on 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 the team and and once Gallup comes back I think when you when Gallup comes back it, you know Cedric Wilson where he was last year before he kind of broke out is similar I I think to where James Washington kind of is right now so then you have CD Lamb and Michael Gallup and then James Washington in the slot and and I think you're you're it, it's kind of like last year but with a lot more unknown um because Amari was a proven commodity Cedric Wilson you saw coming coming up a little bit but um, but I think there's just a lot more, uh, a lot more unknown. But you're you're in a decent spot. Yeah, you know, I oh, go ahead, go ahead, Ken. I was going to say, let's not think we can't get a quality wide receiver in the third or fourth round in the draft. Michael Gallup was a third round pick. I feel like there's still a possibility to get a, a contributor in the draft. Oh yeah, it happens all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. Michael Pittman in Indianapolis, like when, like you know, the all those guys, like you, you can always get one of those guys in the draft later. No, and the, and the wide receiver, like we know how loaded that position is. I I feel like it's almost like what what style do you want is like a bigger question for me. Yeah. Like have an idea of how much you want to use C.D. Lamb in the slot. Um, how much do you want to once you get Gallup back? How much are you using him? Are you going to move him around much, or is he just going to basically play an X position for you? Like kind of figuring out what style you want is kind of the question there. You know, one thing I do like that they've done. Uh, and then for obviously the J run curse thing, we wanted them to get that deal done. J run curse made a lot of plays in games every single week. He'd make a play that just made you go, Whoa, 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 Whoa. We needed that one. Uh, I liked what they did with Molly Cooker Cause there's just, there's just a little bit of upside there that you still don't want to like completely ignore. And I like that they brought Leighton Vander Esch back and I'm not uh, talking so much about the player, but I just like filling the holes for cheap right there. So you can, you know, 
the idea of this team using a second round pick on a linebacker or a third round pick on a linebacker is not something I want to see them do. I don't think you should have to do that. So I kind of like that they can address these other holes because they have, you know, given themselves a little bit of cushion by some of these smaller signings that don't get a lot of headlines. Yeah, with the Van Der Esch move, that gets you in a spot to where now you have Van Der Esch with Jabril Cox and Micah Parsons. You brought back Luke Gifford. So you have stuff there to where, hey, you can still use a third or fourth round pick on a linebacker, but you don't feel like you have to. You don't need to use one at 24. I feel like if you're not bringing back Leighton Van Der Esch, you don't know where Jabril Cox is coming back from his knee. You think he's going to be ready uh, at the start of the season, but there's still some question marks there. Then you feel like, man, if they don't do it in the first, maybe they have to do it in the second. They need to help at linebacker. Bringing back Van Der Esch kind of calms those waters a little bit. That's exactly what we were just talking about with the Washington thing. That's why you sign him, so it just doesn't feel like you're forced absolutely – Oh, well, you know, the Cowboys are taking wide receiver at 24. Now it gives them where, hey, they could. And, you know, yeah, obviously if they do, then that cuts into James Washington's playing time. But that's part of the game. But uh, now they can also wait till the second or third round. Uh, Same deal with with that tight end. You know, a lot of people talk about the Dalton Schultz. He just, you know, recently officially signed the franchise tag. Oh, well, then that means that they got him locked up. That doesn't necessarily mean that's anything more than a franchise tag. They could still take a tight end in the second round that ends up being their next Dalton Schultz. or So they've at least done moves like they've done in the past to where they're not forced to do anything when it comes to the draft. I just, when we sit here, like I said earlier, it really feels like, Something has to be done on the offensive line rather early, uh, edge rusher and, and wide receiver. I mean, just those those three spots to me are just so much more glaring than everything else uh, with all the other moves that they've made. I, I, I just, you know, safety, you know, corner, linebacker, all the other stuff like there's there's bodies there. You got a little bit of depth there. You can add a guy in a late round, maybe an undrafted uh, rookie free agent, get something there. But those three positions, uh, offensive line. Uh, edge rusher and wide receiver; those are the ones right now. That if the draft started tomorrow, th- that I wouldn't be. Those would probably be their first three picks. Yeah, no, no. no. I think when you go like when you map it out like that, you kind of go, okay. Well, I feel better. I was just so, uh, very leery of like, I don't, I don't know, man. My my philosophy, like big picture on this thing, is fine. Like whatever you're trying to do, they're trying to not getting bad contracts. My short term philosophies, I'm I'm a little just. I think like most Cowboy fans, like, are we really trying to go win a championship or are we not? Now, a lot of things happen. Aaron Rodgers came back. Tom Brady came back. It changes things a little bit, right? But I just, I don't know. I don't know. There's part of me that just feels like there's, they could have done a better, they could, I guess there's, a part of me thinks they could put a better team out there this year than what they have and, right now. But and it's I too agree, early to but say these, that. But this month and next month are not the only months that you can add players. And they, and this is a team that yeah. did show, as Saad pointed out with the wide receiver thing not working out, they did show, hey, well, we got to go trade a one to go get Amari Cooper because we do believe that this team has greater aspirations than what they're doing right now. If they're in some type of a rebuild, they're not going to go do that trade for Amari Cooper. And I do believe with the, where this team is right now, if they do feel like, let's say, Later on in free eight or not even in free agency, let's say as they get after the draft, they're going to know what their weaknesses are. They might not even address that before camp. Maybe it's something that doesn't happen until the season. But there are still a lot of moving parts to be played. But yeah, sure. I get where Cowboys fans are coming from. If you think what they have right now in the roster, sprinkle in a couple of draft picks, and that's what's going to be during the season, and that you should feel better than you did last season. Yeah, you'd be crazy. There's no way that the roster is better on paper than it was last year, and and you came up short last year. So I totally get where fans are. You should be frustrated. I'm just trying to say, 
there are other ways to add players. They have, you know, like I said, they've done trades for the Mari Coopers, the Robert Quinns, like that stuff's still out there. That's still a possibility. I do think that they look at it as, Hey, we are in an awful division. We still are in go for it mode. This isn't a rebuild, but that's the thing. When you build in the NFL, you have to be doing this every single year. You can't just be going all in because then there's a cliff that you drop off of. So that's why I don't hate what they're doing with the offensive line. Yeah, it's not the Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin offensive line from you know four or five years ago when it was really dominant, three years ago, whatnot. But this is the way that you build offensive lines in the NFL. Like you know, you're not going to have all ones. So. Yeah, there's growing pains, and it kind of sucks because you become accustomed to as like top players on your offensive line. But I think the way they're doing it is smart. It just it doesn't look that way right now because you just you have the roster in front of you, and you go, "Yep, this isn't better than last year." Yeah, and I also think with with the offensive line and and Terrence Spiel, Steele specifically, I think you know it, it takes a little bit of time for even I guess fans to adjust to what they're going to see, um, what they're going to see on the field. And last year, for example, Terrence Steele. He had he had probably the lowest expectations of any player on the Cowboys that I that I've seen in in quite a while because not only was his play the year before pretty bad but it, it was uh it, you know he's filling in for Lyle Collins who was a pretty pretty solid guy so all you needed was him not to completely melt down and you were going to be fine with it and now he might be the guy and so I think I think kind of like with Dak you know with it once he signed the contract all of a sudden every every play that he made before the contract. Um, wasn't good enough anymore. So it's it's going to be interesting how Terrence Steele, you know, is is going to respond to that and going to be part of that. But also, look, I, the the roster is not where it was last year, and it's not as good. But the roster has has been better in years before and everything like that. And where is that taking the Cowboys? So I'm not like I I don't think that you actively try to put out a worse roster than what you had the year before. But I also don't think having the best roster always results. The best roster doesn't always win uh, win the Super Bowl. Now, I know that's kind of weird to say after the Rams just did and how they go all in on being top heavy and everything. But I'm just saying, generally speaking, it's not always just the best roster. You have to have a lot more that works out in your favor. And, and you know, that's they, they didn't make any changes along the coaching staff, but the coaching staff has to adapt and grow as well. And, and let's not act like the players they had on the roster last year are just like what we saw is their ceiling. Like they're expecting Micah Parsons to be even better. Right. They're expecting more out of Jabril Cox. They're expecting, certainly expecting more out of Kelvin Joseph. You know, I mentioned, I mentioned Josh Ball earlier. Um, uh, I mean, let's be honest, Dak Prescott has to be better. You know, it, it's not just, it's just not, oh, well, the offensive line isn't good. So that hurt Dak and whatever. He's got to be better. You know, CD Lamb asked, they have to get more out of him. You know, there's, it, you, you can't go into it thinking that this is just going to be, and if it is, then yeah, it's going to be an awful team. They won't even win the NFC East if it's, a, if none of those guys are better than they were last year. That's what's so damn irritating to me, John, is that you, once you uncovered what Micah Parsons is, quite frankly, a guy who could, change everything about your defense. And then once you retain Dan Quinn, you knew very, very quickly, okay, we'll get the tank thing figured out. The Randy Gritt, that thing's up. But you knew very quickly, the offense is what failed us. So let's go make the offense better. And they haven't. Instead, oh, yeah, yeah, no, but I'll say this right now off the record stuff. Uh, Yeah, off the record stuff. When you talk to people in the organization, that they knew that the offense was going to be the way they were going to address the offense. They're they're very aware of what you're saying, but that was all along was going to be that. They're gonna they're gonna address that in the draft, but they're not gonna sit there and announce that. 
because they don't want every other single team to know like, well, hey, they're not going to take a defensive player here. They're not going to take a defensive player here. But yeah, no, the, the plan all the plan has been to address the offense significantly in, in this draft. And so whether that's with an offensive lineman at 24 or a wide receiver or whatnot, that's that's been the plan there. I mean, we can talk again in May, but I'd rather have Amari Cooper at $20 million and Lyle Collins at $10 million than whatever they're going to get in the draft. I, or, at I, le- or, or at least one or the other. At least, at least one or the other. Yeah. yeah. I don't, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not in ever in the mode of like rebuilding. Right. Right. I don't like that. Especially when you got a quarterback that's good enough to go win games. I don't like that. I'm not ever championing that, but my God, if, this is why they've continued to be in the middle. What if let's, I'm going to put, in in put you in the I'll put you in the GMs. I'll put you in the GMC, KT. Thank you. What if what if all the coaches come to you and are basically telling you, you know, you you're listening to all of them and when it's all said and done, the overarching thing was that the offense is stale and it needed to be there needed to be a shakeup. Well, I mean, things. if they if they sit there and they tell you that about like there's just nothing changing with Amari Cooper. Like we know what he is. Everybody else knows who he is. He's still a good player, but we can take $20 million a year off of our cap and we can add a young wide receiver that brings something different. Who's not necessarily going to be as good as Amari Cooper right away, but it changes up our offense. It allows us to do different things, stuff like that. Lyle Collins, maybe they just saw that there wasn't much hunger there anymore. And it was like, this is what we're going to get. We saw him, we saw him downgrade last year, and we didn't think Tyron Smith was that great either last year. So it's like, let's start this process of trying to get uh, the next offensive tackles in here because this isn't on the, going on the up and up. And, and they might have felt that way about the Lyle Collins and Amari Coopers. That That's why, those hand, why their hand was forced in those situations. Well, hot dog, that sounds like a good plan. But before I go cutting players, let's go ahead. Didn't we hire this head coach to be an offensive-minded guy to make our offense a little more explosive? Let's see what he's gotten. Let's see what his ideas are. Yeah, oh. Maybe his idea oh, is no. that Amari he Cooper isn't the right guy for what, they, what they, he wants to do. Well, now, I better see that- a freaking explosive offense next year then because I thought our offense was pretty damn explosive in the first eight games last year. Oh, and then yeah, it all fell I mean, apart. I mean, the same thing that you can say about the Mike McCarthy offensive stuff. You can say the exact same thing about Kellen Moore. You can say the exact same yeah. thing about giving $40 million to Dak Prescott. I mean, all, all every tier of it, you can, it's not like anybody is like without blame. So why does Amari Cooper have to be the guy that goes because he makes $20 million. And you could get out of his contract. Yeah. And also I think the other thing also is KT, you hit on it with Dak Prescott your window, I know. I know we talk about Jerry. You know, he he doesn't have time to have a bad time and thing and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is, they're not in a like they're not in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers win now mode. Like that's there. I, I think there's different levels to the to to what you can do with your roster. Tampa Bay has to win right now. Their quarterback is 80 years old. They have to win right now. With Dak, I think you can afford to to have a little bit of like okay. Yes, we're winning right now, and the and the focus is to win the Super Bowl this year. But we can also start churning and and working our way to build the roster to to what it can be at the in, at its best. And let's not act like this is the two people that stand out to me most. The Lyle Collins thing. I I we'll throw him in there. Lyle Collins, Amari Cooper, Randy Gregory. Like not one of those three guys that I look at last year and go, man, you can't lose one of them. Like seriously, no, like sure. Randy Gregory, the contract he's getting, like. Just factor in this. Let's just let's just look at it this way. This is just from this perspective. 
Randy knew all along last year was going to be his year. That was his year. He's not, he's not young. That was going to be his year to cash in. Go look at those stats that he put up. No, yeah. That could no, very well you. be the best year he ever gives you. So that's one thing to factor in. Amari Cooper, I'm sorry, like Amari Cooper is a very good wide receiver, but you'd have to only watch the Cowboys and no other teams to think that he deserves $20 million. There's so many other receivers. Like we mentioned the start off the show, a Devontae Adams, stuff like that. Was he producing like that? Now, whether that's on the offense or whatnot, Okay, that's that's those are those deserve to be argued, but at the same time, like the production that you were getting was not even of a top ten wide receiver, and there was no signs that all of a sudden it was going to change. Where they're just like, we're going to be throwing twenty times a game to Amari Cooper, like that was just not yeah. going to be it. So if you're not going to do that, not having to pay that guy twenty million dollars makes a lot of sense. Go get three, four other receivers that you don't have to break the bank for, and you spread the ball around. Maybe that's the best way that this offense is to be used. I don't love the the aspect either. I'm just trying trying to play devil's advocate with you. No, 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 no and I, dude. I I hear all that. I just want to say the the Gregory doesn't uh, thing doesn't bother me as much. Uh, the Lyle Collins things bothers me, and it's less about the player. It's more about the position. Because now, like, okay, well, Terrence Steele, go get it. Okay, well, we like Terrence Steele. Well, where's Terrence Steele's resume of 17 games starting in the league and not giving up many quarterback sacks? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm seeing that. You know, and that's a problem. Uh, right now, James Washington is on your team. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what else I need to say. It's not a shot at James Washington. He's on your roster. Now, you have these discussions in May when the roster's filled out and that type of thing. My frustration is you go look at the team and they've got the seventh most amount of cap space. Um, let's not act like in October of last year, at Halloween of last year, or, or, or right around then, before you know Dak got hurt for a second there. Let's not act like we weren't talking about this team cruising the home field in the NFC. I mean, let's it ain't that long ago, right? And what, and, now, and, and no, and now knowing point, what we know, knowing what happened, yeah, point, it does look bad. But let's we were closer forward, than from that than point we forward. From that point forward, what did you get out of Lyle Collins, Randy Gregory, and Amari Cooper? No, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, I'm as much you. as Dak fell off after that injury, boy, you want to start connecting some dots, man. What about when yeah. uh, Mari Cooper missed those back-to-back games? It all went to poo-poo. I mean, yeah, tough deal. That certainly okay, that certainly hurts the momentum there. Let's close it out, John. You were uh, hanging out with Dak the other day. Yeah, he was at a a, a brief appearance at a Walk-Ons in Irving, Texas, a Walk-Ons restaurant. They were doing a reopening, so Dak was out there. So obviously. Uh, several media members were there too. Uh, at first, we were told we couldn't ask any football questions, but it's just funny that when PR people do that, because I mean, Dak's a person he wants to talk about football. I mean, when he was asked about you know Lyle leaving and Amari Cooper, he he even said, you know, I want to talk about this. You know, so uh, it, I mean, his answer is, is nothing earth shattering. Just basically that he understands the business of the game. That you know that things things are going to constantly change and it sucks because you become not just longtime teammates, but good friends with these guys. I mean, Lyle Collins is one of Dak's closest friends on the team. So obviously that sucks for him, but you know, that's the business of it that, I mean, he has to understand it better than anybody. I mean, he's got one of the best business minds of any players I've ever been around. So, um, you know, that we talked about that, talked about his shoulder, you know, having the surgery, talked about how he didn't really want that getting out that he even had that procedure done. Obviously Mike McCarthy revealed that, to us at the combine. So that was interesting. Yeah. So he's back to, he's throwing two times a week. He's not a hundred percent back to throwing like he normally would be this time of year, but uh, he's close. Doesn't expect to be any limitations when the regular off season program gets together. And then uh, the only other football thing really was just, he was asked about Amari Cooper being the number one. And as you would expect, you know, he just had, 
glowing things to say, or CD Lamb, sorry, being the number one. He had glowing things to say about CD and thinks that he's ready for it and things like that. Not that you would expect anything different from him, but uh, the one other thing is kind of the overarching thing that we were talking about earlier that he mentions is that, you know, it's not, the roster's not completely done yet. Just like give it some time. Let's, you know, let's, let's let some cards be played here and, and then figure it out. You know, they're not playing week one next week, but, um, but yeah, that's basically the gist of what he said. But from our perspective, you know, any fan listening to this, I mean, I completely understand where you're coming from. I think this is the most frustrated the fan base has been since I've covered the team. And I don't even think there's any doubt about it. So I get, I get where, where they're coming from because there's just, it, it feels like you're kind of like running in mud here and, and it deserves something to kind of be a sign that you're taking the next step. And obviously losing these key players isn't taking the next step on paper. I'm just saying that I don't know that they've lost anybody that, you know, they didn't lose J. Ron Curse. They didn't lose J. Ron Curse, Micah Parsons, uh, you know, C.D. Lamb, you know, guys that last year I was like, you know, uh, obviously Trayvon Diggs that you're like, yeah, this is this is the these are the key pieces that are really playing well when it matters most, you know, yeah. and they cut salary on guys that it didn't look like they're we might have seen their best ball already. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, we'll be back next week. Right, Kit? We're back next week, right? Yep. Hell yeah, we're back next week. Hell yeah. Um, for Father John Mishota, for Saad Youssef covering those Dallas Stars, making a little playoff push here. The wild card stars. Um, John will have more stuff. Um, you know, draft is coming up, guys. We're about five, six weeks away from the draft. Holy cow. It's all happening. Make sure you keep following The Athletic and all the good things happening at The Athletic. That's a very generic thing to say, but it's what I'll say. For Father John Bashota, for Saad Yusuf, for our producer, Kim Garrison, I'm KT. We'll see you next week on About Them Cowboys. I fucked it up.